Parshas Chai Soda talks about <coughs> how Eliezer went to find a wife for Yitzchak. How he found Rivka. Now, as we look at the outcome of the story, we all know that Rivka was going to be his wife. Doesn't, by, as we say in America, by hook and crook, Rivka was going to marry Yitzchak. What's a very, very amazing, the whole Pasha, so amazing, how much he stadless he did to make sure that he gets Rivka. And the first thing, he takes Eliezer Eved Avram, Ramavini, and he doesn't say, you look, if it's Bashert, it's Bashert, I'll meet with him on the plane, I'll meet her on the plane, I'll meet at a, someone's Shabbos house for lunch. He didn't rely on this. What did he do? <clears throat> he sent Eliezer Eved Avram. How did he send him? First, he made him swear. Even though it was a Kambe, so he trusted totally, he made Eliezer take an oath to promise him he'll go to the family, which is a 17-day trip, and go there and find a wife for my son. That's number one. Number two, <clears throat> he asks, you know, and I'm going to go there. So how did he go there to attract a girl to move away? He came, imagine in today's days, he came with 10 limousines loaded with all goodies. With gold, silver, that's what his pastor says. He took a took a suda megemala, he have a suda gemala doinov. The whole tiva doinov So Rashi says, he, not only did he bring all the great good things, he also, the, some learned, he bought a packet of diamonds that you could hold on your hand. Others learned, Rashi brings on a medrash, that he brought the lawyer's letter showing him his will, that this son will inherit everything. Imagine, this is what Avram went to do for Yitzchak. He says, send him a, you know, a lawyer's letter and send 10 camels laden with all great good things. Can you imagine a guy, a wealthy guy, would drive into this neighborhood, 10 limousines, I'm looking for a wife for my uh, son. There'd be a long line. So he really, really, this is what he, I didn't say, look, I don't have to call a shatchan, I don't have to do this. He did everything in the world. Then Elias asked the question, what happens if she doesn't want to go? <clears throat> so he says, a very interesting posik. He says, Avram says to him, Let him, Hashem would send an angel to help you. Now, if an angel is working for you, you don't have to take 10 camels loaded with gold and silver. You don't have to make any tests. Well, later, made, he made a huge test. An angel. So you see, in this world, 
We have to do our ishtadlis. We can't cross our arms and say the money is going to come through the chimney. The shidduch is going to come through the back door. Because he said an angel, yishlach malochoi, he would send an angel. And what did Eliezer do? Eliezer went and he said, he came to the well and the Torah says, he said, the girl that I will ask to give to drink, he's not going to give me to drink, but he'll give the camels to drink. That's a sign that this... So the, the Mepharshim say, or the Chaimekuj explains, why was this all needed? What, what exactly did he make the test? Why don't you first find that that magic coming into L.A.? And you first find that, where's the family living? He doesn't ask any questions. Standing outside the city limits. It was a big city. It was no hick town. When I was a young child, I remember learning the Pasha, I thought it was a village. No, but he says these were huge towns. 30 to 50,000 people living there. So you come in, and you come in town, and you find out, where is that family, Nuchair and Suel? No, he stand outside the town because he was afraid, knowing that they might mislead him. He might find a family. They might not give them a daughter. They might give him a maid. He has no idea. There's no, uh, you know, fingerprinting and Google. They no idea. So he was afraid. So he did every mean type of shtadlis. Knowing that a malach come. You know what's amazing? Let me tell you what's super amazing. Rashi says that he had kvitzes aderech. Kvitzes means that a trip that takes 17 days took three hours. Imagine, and you know, us, it's hard to imagine such a thing. Imagine <clears throat> a trip that takes 17 days took three hours. So he saw there is an angel helping him. Doesn't happen every day to anyone. Still he stood at the well and he begged Hashem, help me fulfill the mission. I would have been in his shoes. I would have, the angel is taken care of. When is the last time someone went flying on a flying carpet? That means a trip that I took 17 days, took three hours, brought me here. I would cross my arms and say, okay, I'm waiting for the girl to come. He didn't do that. He begged Hashem and he said, let me do this test. And it, it did work out. But what we see from this, every inch and everything in life, we need to daven to Hashem. Not, you know, every, it's working, but doesn't mean you still have to daven. I mean, it is, it is super amazing that you think about it, that a, 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 he was flying a seven-day trip that threw three hours. And, and he landed there, and he acted like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I still need Hashem's mercy and help. And he begged Hashem, help me find the wife for, Elias, for, for Yitzchak. So what you see from here, that a person must do all types of ishtadlis. So even afterwards, the day afterwards, you know, after he, he, he met Rivka, and they, they slept the night, and he says, please send me home. So they were hemming and horning, and he needs that begged Hashem again, let me fulfill this mission. So this is very, very important. And I, I can't even emphasize the important. We need to do our hishtadlis. We got to do, you got to find a job, you got to do, but you need to daven. You daven very hard, 
Let it be a shidduch, let it be health, let it be panasa, let it be a job, anything. That the panasa should work this year, anything that things should work peacefully. You see so clearly that he was on this mission and he had an angel with him. Yishlach malochoi. He said, he said and he, it's not only Avram told him an angel is going to go with you, he saw the angel going with him. He had kvitzis aderech. He had a thing that was super. It was like it wasn't an everyday story. And with this all, Yitzchak was, Eliezer was humble and he says, I need the help. So this is very important to remember this. That in life, we always have to daven to Hashem and to help us in, in these things. And even though you see the help of Hashem, never stop davening. Because Eliezer saw already and still he stepped, it kept on davening. What's also very interesting, the Torah tells us what makes a good shidduch. This is important for young people to hear about, you know, but it's always good to hear what the Torah says, the Kevin's young people. Torah says to us very clearly, well, how did he test Rivka? He wanted to know if she's a giving personality. So what was the test? The test was, I'm going to stand by the well. Listen to this. I'm standing by the well. I'm going to ask to give me water. She's not going to give me water. She's also going to give the camels water. So the first simple explanation, this is very important to understand. The first simple explanation is, he was standing there with a group of men. Men. Rivka According to one opinion, was three years old. To be more realistic, woman Medrash says she was 12. One opinion says she was 14. She was a young girl. And asking the water, I could imagine, I have a client who had a bunch of daughters, and some are tough. She, well, I could imagine she would say, you know what, here's the jug, help yourself. <laughs> I should go, you have a bunch of men over here. You know what I mean? It wasn't such an easy task, you know what I mean? To, you know, it wasn't that put on, push the spigot, you know? It's a great, Allah, here's the jug, help yourself. The test was see, if you are giving personality, you, you act right away. You don't think. Right away, she says, yes, no problem. And she picked out the water. That's the Torah says a good spouse, a good zivig is a giving person. And spontaneously, you know, it's not that I have to sit down and think about it. No, is this a chesed? Oh, this is chesed, so I'll do it. Oh, how much points will I get if I do this? You know, that uh, I get him. He just did it because this is chesed, because that makes a marriage fitting. It's chesed. You're kind. You know, everything I always tell people, young people. There's two things that glues a marriage. Chesed, to be kind to each other, to be, and respect. You know, if there's no respect to each other, then the more you respect each other, the more the glue of the marriage is strong. Look, we all want our spouse to respect us. But your spouse wants to be respected just as much or even more, maybe than you. So the respect is always the glue. 
That's to, to, to illustrate in a simple way, most of us have friends and acquaintances we hang out with, people who respect us. If you would know some of your friends or a relative, a sister-in-law or a neighbor thinks of you as a fool, yeah, you don't want to do it. Even though the guy's nice to you or she's nice to you, you if they think that you are queer or something, you don't want to hang out. You want to be with people who you feel really adore you, admire you, respect you. So the glue of a marriage is the respect and the adornment and the cherish you have. Plus, the important is to be a Baal Chesed. Because marriage demands, it is, it's a great challenge to help each other. You have to be Baal Chesed. This is what Yitzchak looked for. And the Medrash says, Amliezer was a little bit not so uh, smart with this. Because all he cared is that she, what happens, she would be limping. He tested, if she failed, passed the test, that's the wife of my, well, could be, should have been something very wrong with her. You know, it could have been nothing. It wasn't, Chazal say that, according to the Medrash, he should have not done such a risky thing. But the reason he was successful, because he had a Malach working with him. But really, it, 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 but what we do see from the Pasha, the most, what he understood, the most important thing is the kindness, the chesed. You know, let me tell you another interesting thing in the parsha, Just to put things in perspective. Eliezer had a daughter. He was desperate to marry him off to Yitzchak. Really, really wanted. So Avram says to him something very interesting. Avram says to him, I am blessed and you are cursed. And a baruch and an order can never become a shidduch. Can't, this is not a shidduch. Why is it called order? Why was it called? Because the Canaanites were cursed by Noyach. He told Cham, because what Cham did to his father, and Canaanite was a helper with Cham, and he cursed the Canaanites, and he said, Eved avudim yeh. He'd be a slave to his masters. That's what, that's what he, what's the name Anoyach uh, uh, said. So he says, you know, it's not a good shaduch. You are an amborach. So everyone asks a very profound question. Eliezer believed in Hashem, was devoted of devotion to Avram. You know what the Medrash says? Eliezer was such a disciplined person that nothing tempted him. He didn't do anything. He was shoyled beats. means, you know, we get temptation. Maybe we speak Lashonara, we shouldn't. We eat something, we shouldn't. We do something, we shouldn't. There was nothing. He was shoyled. Shoyled means total control of his Yetzirah. He was a big person. He has a daughter who believes in Hashem. Who follows the footsteps of Avram, a big chassid of Avram. She was a chassidah of Avram. So here you're going to go look for a wife who is all the ways in Aram Narayim. And the problem that was there is that how do you know she believes in anything? Why didn't Eliezer ask her, do you believe in God? Do you believe in who knows what? Those days Jesus wasn't around. I don't know what they believed in. Did you bow down to the sun? Bow down to the moon? Do you bow down to the statues? Do you worship the cat? Or whatever way the Zoras they had those days. So he didn't ask any of these questions. Everyone is puzzled. 
So the commentaries say, the Bida Chassid and the Balatresa says a very, very, very important thing. Avram Avini knew that he has many followers who were convinced to believe in Hashem. But he saw that Canaanites around him have terrible character traits. Horrible character traits. And, you know, they're selfish, they indulge in all the uh, Gashmias, everything was... Uh, he said, this is not going to work. To build a nation, he knew his family might not believe, but have good character traits. And once she comes here, we'll be able to work with her. So they knew that the, the important is the character traits of a person. Which we all have, which we all struggle, but the odd character trait of certain people, you know, uh, the Kananis those days were extremely, extremely obsessed with the Zara and worshipping themselves and Gashmias. Avram saw this is, yes, it's not going to last. So he wanted from his family knowing they have good character traits. But you also see that. You know, it's, it's in, in, this is another interesting Kabbalistic idea which the Chassidus would point out. Of why did the Rav Hashem make that Rivka was born all the way there? You have to find your Zivik. Imagine, you have to find your Shidduch 17 days away, a trip. If Eliezer wouldn't have gone there, what would have happened? You know, the Rabban Shalom makes sometimes an amazing things. Two people could learn the end of the world and the Rebbe brings them together. The Medrash says, even a mamzer, mamzer means a bastard, someone's born illegitimate. The Rebbe takes one from one end of the world, the other from the other world, and somehow they meet together. It means the Zivik here, that Avram had to do his shtadlis because the, the Balam Kibbalim explained he had to take her out of the clippers. But Leezer going with an angel and doing all these ishtadlas and everything, he literally took her out of the, of the darkness. But every person has to do their ishtadlas, that's what Hashem wants, and in your ishtadlas, there'll be a blessing. So, you know, Eliezer wanted very much to do the shidduch. For himself, his daughter, and Avram said not. Now let me explain to you something, a very interesting thing. The Gemara says like this, it's a medrash, a long medrash. When the Rebbein Shalom created the world, he started with the tough, backwards, should I create the world with the tough or with the reish? And the medrash says, walk backwards till he came to base. And Hashem said, I'll create the world with base. Bereish is borer lekin. Because a base also has the letter brocha. So bereish is, he started with base. The Aleph complained bitterly. You left me out. I'm the first letter. You left me out. Hashem says, you know, Aleph represents also a curse. Uoid. Curse. This speaks Parsha. Uoid uh, is at Orud. It starts, Hashem says, I started the world with a base, which means brocha. I hope the world is going to last. People are not going to destroy it. With an Aleph, I don't know. So the Medrash says, 26 generations, the olive was complaining. 
Looks like he quetched. He knew how to quetch. 26 generations. And he said to Hashem, you left me out. Hashem said, you know what? I'll start the Torah with you. The Seder Sedibus was given. The Torah, the first words Hashem told Klali, so is Enoichi Analov. So everyone asks, so what happened after 26 generations? You know, why now could the Aleph, and why was the Aleph so happy? So, to explain this, the Rebun Shalom did not want to create the world before the Torah was given with an Aleph, because an Aleph represents a curse. Once the Torah was given, the Torah is a healing for all the negativeness in the world. That means the power of Torah is so powerful that it helps literally to change. The Torah the is the light of the nations. I mean, the, the, or the, the morals, what the world knows. Having the Torah is so incredible, powerful, that that has a, to change a curse into a bracha, which is very, very, very true. That means the people who learn Torah, who dedicate themselves to Torah, could even though if they did horrible sins or they're addictive to all of them, the Torah could help a person come out of all the... It doesn't mean you don't need help. At one time I was in the rehab center giving a class and uh, was a guy, a guy, a Babacha guy who wanted to quit and he says, he says to me, I think I'll say Tanya every day, the entire Tanya, I'll, I'll be healed with my addiction. I'm asked them, I want to ask you a question. If you have a broken leg and you're going to say Tanya a hundred times, you think your leg is going to heal? If it's broken, you got to go to the surgeon. If it's broken well enough and put it back together. Not everything helps or everything. Obviously, something broke in the system and, and it will help you being here. But that is true. A person needs help. You have suffered from addiction. But it's true. But the Torah also has a power to help a person enormously who wants to grow. The, the holiness of the Torah is so holy that it literally could take people out of shul tachtas, of the depths of the depths, and bring them to a light. It, it is. It's very true. It says, the Tani says this, the Nachman Breslov says this, and all the chassidists from the Torah is so powerful. If a person do learn, everyday Torah will take him out. But before the Torah was given, Avram said to Eliezer, it's not going to be a shidduch. It's not going to work. These two things don't work. So, let me just go a little bit again to the Pasha. Eliezer has this conversation with Rivka, and after Rivka gives him to drink, he doesn't even ask whose daughter she is. You know, you know the story? Let me just repeat the story. He's standing by the well, and he says, the girl who will ask for a drink will give me a drink and give the camels to drink. That's the girl I'll choose for the, my master's son. And she passed the test. He doesn't even ask her name. It says very clearly, and he says, she finished talking, and <clears throat> he says, he gave her a Nazem Zuov, a nose ring, Beka Mishkuloi, the weight was a Beka, Shneitzimidim, two bracelets, Al Yudair on her hands, Asura Zov Mishkulom. 
She didn't ask. And then he says to her, tell me whose daughter you are. This was expensive jewelry. This was what we call in America a proposal. He proposed to her. Tell her, listen, he didn't even say, it's very funny, he doesn't say to who she, he proposed to her. The Medrash says that he said, I have a, I'm a shliach, shliach means I'm emissary, a shliach, for someone, for Avram, and, uh, but the t- Pasik doesn't say that. Many say that's not what the Pasik says. He gave her jewelry. Then he says, by the way, whose daughter are you? And then she says, according to the song, he, he, he told her, I'm a shliach from, um, um, from Avram, from Yitzchak, and here's the ring, I want to mekadosh you, and that's how you mekadosh you. And then he finds, you know why? He was so convinced that the test passed, that this is it. But he couldn't first, why, couldn't you, why didn't he ask a minute? Why didn't he ask, well, wait a minute. Eliezer was a very smart man. Why are you so haste? Ask. What, what do you lose by asking? He didn't want to, he wanted to show his faith in Hashem was so strong, I'm giving the money. And I know for sure. Because his, he felt this, this, and he was Makadashim. But Rashi says a very interesting thing. He gave a nose ring, which was a Bekalagigolis. Rashi says that represents the Machsis shekel, which Klali so later is going to get. That's what Rashi says. Shnei represents, what does the Shnei Tzimidim represent? It represents the Shnei Luchos Habris, the two the Ten Commandments. Each one has a Luach. And, and in a surah zuav. That's what Rashi says. Very interesting what Rashi says. So the Mephalshim say a very profound thing while Eliezer tried to. Eliezer knew this is going to be the wife of Yitzchog and Klaliso is going to come out of her. And he says a household needs three things. Teira, Vavoida, and Gemilis Chasodim. Gemilis Chasodim, as he saw in her, she's an incredible giving personality. She does chesed. But he wanted to see if there's going to be, uh, and he wanted help to make the marriage. There'll be Toira Vavoida. Toira represents the Shnei Lichos. So he gave her two bracelets, which represents the Shnei Lichos. And he gave her a nose ring, which represents the Matzah Shekel, because the Kabonis gave a good smell aroma. So he wanted to show that, and this Shidr here will come out Toira Vavoida, Igimaras Chasotim. The Avoida was the Beka because the Machsa Shekel was Beka Ligigolis. That's Beka is a, is a weight, a certain weight. And the Machsa Shekel was that weight. And that represents the Karbonus. They bought the Machsa Shekel, they bought the Karbonus. So, you know, I want to say something very, very important. The Rizal says this, and all the Bashemtev said this. Almost all the Tamidah Vashemtev. You know, what happened to the others was open miracles. But what happened to, happens to us all the time is hidden miracles. We don't see all of it like all these incredible things. You don't see when you find a Shidduch, you go flying on a carpet, you, you know, and the trip for 17 days, you make it three hours. We don't see, like, you know, all of a sudden, you need the shtadl for panos, and it's, you just do a little bit of phone calls, and everything comes. But we have to believe that everything is exactly 
like by the others. But then it was more open, and that your life is built the same way. You have to make your shtadlers, you, what you are going through. You know, you know, if you really look at the others, you know what I mean? Really, I always say over oh, interesting story. I, you know, I grew up not speaking English. I learned English after I came to LA. And uh, so I wasn't educated too much. And I remember the first time someone told me about dysfunctional family. I asked, what, is that? what does that mean? He's trying to describe to me. And I says, you know, you just described Avram's family, Yitzchak's family, Yaakov's family. <laughs> I says, I, I first time I heard that expression, dysfunctional. Avram had his problems. You know, we would think everything was so smooth. Everything was smooth. Avram had with Yishmol, had to kick Yishmol out with Hagar. And Yitzchak marries Rivka, 20 years they don't have children. Come on, we'd expect, you know, such a father, such a grandfather, children should come. And then Rivka finally becomes pregnant. She has a horrible pregnancy. She, it's unbearable difficult. She, she, she doesn't know what this is all about. The, the, everyone, the fighting, according to Medish, a little bit fighting. Horrible what she went through the pregnancy. I don't know what I wanted over here. This is so difficult. And finally, she has two children. And can you imagine the pain parents have when you have an ace of? He wasn't, he was a rapist, a murderer, a thug. I always wonder when people have, you know, here in the news, he became a mass murderer. The parents must be in unbelievable pain. It's incredible painful to have a child like this. Yitzchak and Rivka to have a child like this? And by the brothers, Yosef, they sold their Yosef. You know, you know, we always think that, you know, that everything has to be smooth. There is nothing smooth in life. In life, what's smooth is, if you know that it's not smooth, then life is smooth. I always say this, if you are hired to take care of chaos, this is my job. I've said this story over and over again because it taught me a way how to explain this. Unfortunately, my wife was a few times in the emergency room. And one time, it was a weekday, it was a quiet, it was two in the morning, and the doctors are bored. You know, they're joking about doing stitches and someone coming to cough and... It was very quiet in the emergency room, nothing. All of a sudden, the, the trauma, a girl was pushed out two flights by her boyfriend, and they're bringing this girl. Everyone lights up. Take the position. I was watching them. I remember thinking there's something was wrong with this picture. Before they're walking around, uh, you know, and all of them. This is why they were high. That's boring. To, like, come, someone comes in coughing. I remember someone came in coughing and coughing, you know. Once you come to emergency room, you gotta take care of it. But uh, this is this is not what they were trained for. Trauma. They woke up. They're full of uh, how you say adrenaline going through the veins. They, they, this is they were hired for chaos. See, we think we were hired. Everything should be smooth. Everything should be no, no problems. You know, your children should wake up in the morning and be nice, or, will, or your friends should be nice, and your panosa should be easy, no headaches, no aggravation. That never existed. That maybe existed when other Mauritian was in Ganadam. But since we were kicked out of Ganadam, life is incredibly challenging. 
But what we have a light is how do we react to it? How did Avram react when Yishmuel was misbehaving? How did Yitzchak react when Esau, the story of this week's Pasha? You know, Rivka liked uh, Yaakov and Esau favored, uh, Yitzchak favored Esau. And the whole explanation why it was this way. But the reality is that's the challenge of life. See, if you wake up in the morning and expect smooth sailing today, no aggravation. Everything should be rosy. That's that's never that's that doesn't that's not reality. That's where we get into trouble. But we learn from the others, and they always could have, uh, you know, took Yitzchak Davin for his wife. It took twenty years to share a child. You know, it's a machlekes medrash. How long? One opinion holds he Davin ten years. Ten years. There's one opinion. Ten years he Davin. He says, look, he has such a great father, Yitzchak, such a great mother. Hashem loves the others. Hashem, we don't understand always the ways of Hashem, but it took 10 years of praying. Different opinions of marriage, but according to one opinion, 10 years. Now, I've said this often, that the reason was because the Bonshom wanted to teach Klali, so we never give up. Avram had a child of 100, and Sarah was 90. Sarah surely gave up. Hashem wanted to show us, never, ever give up. Never give up about yourself. Never give up what you need to do. So, see, we're here in this world to the, the, the challenge of life, the struggles of life. Struggles of life, just you know, raising a family. Just that is a struggle. Baking a panasa, raising a family, doing the right thing. Then we have a struggle with our Yetzirah, with our temptations, which is a huge struggle. That's what we're here for. We're here to work. We're here, we were hired to take care of the chaos. Not just, not just, you know, around you, but the chaos in yourself. We have things to put up with in our own selves. As I say, our own Mishigasen, we have to put up. Just accept, this is who I am, this is my shortcoming, this is my Mishigas. And I have to work with this. This is my shortcoming. This is, what I, this is my challenge in life. Other people have other challenges in life. See, but in order to have a clear of th- way of thinking... You must take time for yourself. See, if we would have a clear, clear vision of everything, you know, it would be much easier. You know, you say all of a sudden, you know, this is a problem. Okay, this is what I'm here for, taking care of the problem. If a guy is, I, I, I said, I, used to, I, was, I like to say another story. Many years ago, there was an airline called TWA. And 
There was no tablets, no iPhones, no nothing. It was a storm that hit us. I was in New York flying back to California, and I was stuck at the airport for hours long because some unsuspecting snowstorm. And everyone was sitting next to me, sat the pilot and some of the people working there. And all of a sudden, I noticed two ladies from the, 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 they were walking around taking notes of the airplanes. I was very bored. I walked over to, what is your job? What, what is, uh, you know, everyone looks so gloomy here and, you know, playing with the puzzles and crosswords and everyone is just trying to do something. They, they tell me, our job is when chaos kicks in, this is what we hide for. They were just smiling, full of energy. This is what they were hide. This is the job. She says, not always is a snowstorm, but when a plane gets stuck and we have to switch a plane, take off the people. We are, this is the two of us, the job is when... When chaos kicks in, we have to be, someone's got to take care of uh, what to do. I said, the same thing in our lives is this way. We have, sometimes it's nice, and uh, they told me, sometimes it's very quiet. It's not, sometimes the jets, everything is, uh, but so we have other jobs to do. But when in chaos, sometimes life goes smooth. Sometimes it's chaotic. That's what life is. Life is sometimes very chaotic. It is exactly what it is. It never was not. Since Adam Rishon was kicked out of Ganeidim, nothing is smooth sailing. There's also chaos in yourself too. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes, how does a person have his mind clear? If you take time to yourself to meditate, even any meditation, the truth is when you take time to think about Hashem, to talk to Hashem, all of a sudden, things fall in perspective. There is, you know, you're getting connected to Hashem. And you realize Hashem is running the world. We don't do anything. I always joke that, you know, my, hard, my wife's hard work makes the food delicious. But once it comes into your stomach, it doesn't make a difference how it tasted when it went through the mouth. If, you, if your stomach doesn't take over and does its job, it's a... Uh, and we have no control. We have no control. Maybe should, should help all of us should be healthy. But your stomach works and everything works. It's a miracle that it works. And if it doesn't work, ay, 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 we know what could happen. So we have, it, we have, yeah, you have to take time and say, wow. I mean, totally in the hands of Hashem. In every bit, in every, we have no, we think we control. We have absolutely zero control. And so we say, okay, so I'm put here in charge. What I could do, what I could do, I do my best. The greatest challenge is we don't know what the challenge is going to be. I would love to have, you know, a CD just to give snip, snips what's going to be next year. What challenge? Hashem says, no, I ain't telling you anything. Uh, I, you're going to be caught by surprise, and this is going to happen. We have no idea. We would love to know a little bit what's going on in the future. Who wouldn't? The whole world is busy. We, you know, we live in LA and there's you know, storefronts, you know, card readers and palm readers and all the nonsense. The human nature to want to know about the future. We would love to know what's going to be. And Hashem says, no, I'm not telling you. But what you have to do is literally be trust in Hashem. Hashem but that comes if you talk to Hashem, you make Hashem into reality. So 
as every Sunday when I say this, take time, you'll see your life will be much calmer. You know, the people who do yoga itself, I've spoken to people who became religious so in the community, who used to do a lot of, he says it, it's enormously soothing effect before it became from too. It calms you down because we don't realize how life is demanding and we don't take time for ourselves. Talking to Hashem, just taking time. Here at Bonishlam, here I am, this is what's going on in my life. And second, put up a great fake smile today, all day long. And see if you don't get more mileage out of today. See, today, the sun is going to set with my smile or without my smile. And I'm sure all of you have a lot of things to take care of today. All of us. And we have to deal with things which we don't want to deal. But we are going to deal. What's wrong if you say, great, I'm living another day. Might as well do everything in a happy mood. If being unhappy, angry, pouty, you say in English, critical helps, then be all of that. It doesn't help. It agitates yourself, agitates people around you. You get a lot more mileage by putting a fake smile on, even though you're not in the mood of smiling. So try to do these two things. Take time for yourself. Now, as you see how it's going to literally change your life, take time for yourself. And smiling, be happy, will also change because you're happy, you have a much more powerful way of looking. You look at life much better when you're happy. And naturally, we don't like to be happy. 99.9% of people walk around unhappy for no, no valid reason. It's just human nature to quetch, to criticize. I remember reading many years ago, <clears throat> someone showed me UCLA, they, they took from the faculty a bunch of people claimed to have a good marriage. So they said they just want to put the tape recorder down on the table, the dinner. <laughs> They want to analyze it. These are people who said they had a good marriage. And they showed how 80% of the conversation was sort of negative. Sort of says, why is this soup not salted? How come you didn't salt the soup today? Uh, you know, like, uh, why don't you sit down already? Instead of saying, you know, my dear wife, so happy you made this great soup. Can you please just pass me the salt? I don't, I, or saying to her, I don't like to eat when you're not sitting at the table. But the same things could be said in a positive way and a negative way. But we are much more negative than positive. That's how we are. So that's why you have to work on happiness and positiveness. Okay. Okay.
it has on the wrong side of this question. 